You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, how's it going this week, guys? All right, David Hall. Hey, hey. Greg Hectus. Hey, guys. All right. Hey, guys, how's it going? We brought Brian McCubbin onto the team to help diversify some of our racing content we do cover here on the show. And Brian sits down with this week's special guest, World of Outlaws' very own Chase Rodman. Okay, guys, so we're happy to have a special guest this week uh, with us today in the lounge is Chase Roudman. He is the voice of iRacing for the World of Outlaw series. He covers both the Late Model series and the uh, Sprint Car series, and uh, we're happy to have him on the show. How are you doing, Chase? I'm doing great, man. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Glad you guys invited me on. Yeah, great. Was, uh, we're really happy to have you. We're looking for some more insight into the uh, World of Outlaws Late Model Series that's going on right now. We're coming down to the end of that series, and uh, it's great to have you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, man, it's been a pretty wild season for, for the Late Model Series, and we're coming down to the last race uh, Monday night. So, um, you know, just two points between the top two guys, and um, it's anybody's ball game right now heading to Charlotte. Yeah, exactly. The, the late models put on a great show, and it always seems like it comes right down to the wire at the end of the season. So that's what we're looking forward to next week. But uh, before we get into that, I'd like to talk to you about your driving career on uh, iRacing. You're you're quite a prolific driver in your own right. So um, what what brought you to iRacing, and, and when did you first like hear about iRacing and, and what it had to offer? Uh, well, it probably was about 2010, I think, when I went over to my cousin's house, and um, I got a whole, like, racing family, so he uh, had a little setup on his computer and all that stuff, and he was kind of telling me about it, and he's like, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, 15 bucks or, you know, 12 bucks a month, and all the tracks are 15, and this and that, and this was before I had a job or anything, I was like, dang, this is, like, this is an expensive deal right here, like, there's no way that I'm able to do this, there's, like, this is, like, 2010, like I said, there was not... Um, nearly as many members as there is right now. And so then about a year later, um, I realized that it really wasn't that expensive to, to get going. So uh, 2011, I finally you know, bought like a Logitech Momo, the, the wheel that didn't even go you know, 360 degrees of rotation and just those cheap plastic pedals, the whole deal. So um, then I just, this was in my high school year. So I was like, had no, like when I came home from school, I was on iRacing, all day, all night, weekends, like, I mean, sometimes pulling a 24-hour. So, uh, you know, I've got a total of almost 3,500 starts uh, on iRacing. I haven't really raced a whole lot in the last month or two, but, um, you know, before the dirt stuff came out, I, I was very, very involved, especially Class C fixed trucks, um, street stocks, uh, the legend cars, all that kind of stuff. I didn't really get into the cup or the, the B car or anything like that, but I was mostly a C-fixed uh, hero, as they call them. Yeah, the C Fix has always been a really great uh, series to run. Um, it it doesn't. It seems like a lot of the better drivers just stay stay back in that series just because it's so much fun. But yeah, that's a uh, that's good to hear. Uh, so, um, did you uh, you said you started off with the Momo? Is that what you're running now, or did you uh, do you have any new new gear that you've been using? 
Uh, I mean, I've upgraded slightly. I did have a Logitech G27 for a while, but I really, after using the Momo for so long, I didn't really like the um, the, the brake pedal that was on the G27. It was just super stiff, and it didn't really, I just didn't like the feeling of it, you know? And so I sold the G27, and I picked up the Logitech Driving Force GT, and I've had about three of those. You know, a couple of them had, you know, pedal failures and, and whatnot, what have you. They lose one, it breaks or something. My, like, third Driving Force GT, and everybody's like, dude, you need to upgrade. You need to get one of those direct drive wheels. You need to tr do this and that, you know. And I've tried out, um, I think the Fanatec one, and I've tried out a different one at like a PR, the PRI show one time out there in Indy. And you know, I was just like, you know what, this stuff is nice, but I feel like I can get the job done with a Driving Force GT. And um, you know, back in the day before I, you know, stopped running the pavement stuff a whole lot on iRacing, uh, I was, I mean, I was up in the top split a lot with C Fixed, and I, you know, Ray Alfala, he ran a lot of C Fixed back in the day. I'm not really sure if he does anymore, but I know that he ran a GT as well for a while. And I think he actually won one of his uh, Coke Series championships with the GT. So uh, I know it's a good wheel, and I'm sticking with it for now. Okay, yeah. Well, there's a lot of a lot of really good drivers that stick with uh, some of the older stuff, like Ty Majeski. He's uh, well-known to be using the old G27, and uh, he's just about as good as you get on that stuff. So um, so are you running uh, monitors or VR, or how's your display set up on that? Uh, I do have two monitors. I just run a single monitor when I'm racing. Um, I know a lot of the guys, especially on the dirt side of things, are really, really getting into the VR thing. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys in the Pro Series, whether it's the late models or the sprint cars or when we even had the USAC sprint car series, um, they were almost all of them were on the VR deal. Um, and I think it's a big advantage on the dirt stuff, especially just because you can kind of look around a little bit more, see what the track is doing. And uh, I, I have not dove that far in um, just because I don't race as much as I, you know, once did. Um, I'm doing a lot more stuff in, in real life with, you know, whether it's work or if I'm, you know, doing some real life broadcasts or whatnot. But I just stick with the single monitor and it, it gets the job done for me every now and again. Uh, you know, I get myself a win or so. And, you know, I was, uh, earlier this, uh, this season in iRacing, I think we're in season three right now. Uh, Martinsville came around for the C-Fix trucks, and I was like, you know, I can't miss Martinsville. That used to be my wheelhouse. And uh, first two races I ran, both got they were both a win in the top split. And that was like my first pavement oval win in like two or three years. So um, the single monitor, the Driving Force GT, uh, don't listen to these other guys, man. It, it um, If you're listening to this and you're trying to get a big-time wheel, it, it, this stuff works when it's, uh, you know, the low-budget deal. It still gets the job done. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure does. Sounds like you had some great moments. Um, uh, what what would you say is your uh, most memorable moment uh, racing and I racing? Oh man, uh, um, there's there's quite a few, but uh, I would have to say there was one year when I tried to make it to the the Pro Series. Um, I can't remember, maybe it was 2014 or something like that, and it was the first race. It was at Talladega, I think. And um, obviously, it's Talladega. Anybody can make it around the racetrack, no problem. But, you know, I was bump drafting with, uh, with Ray Alfallon and Brian Schoenberg and a couple other guys that you see up there in the Coke Series now. And uh, I had a really, really good shot to win that race, and I ended up fourth. Um, but after that, I think I ran the next week and realized that um, it's just, uh, it's a, it, there's a lot of time involved in making the Pro Series. And I didn't, back then, the teams were just, it was just such a disaster with, you know, trying to find a team, and then you'd be on a team for a week, and then they'd all break up, and you'd have to go find a new team and all that stuff. So um, that was that was probably my 
my um, most proud moment, I guess. Obviously, I didn't win the race. I've won a lot of races. You know, I'm I'm somewhere in the top hundred of of uh, the wins list for the the pavement oval deal. But that uh, fourth place run in the top split, trying to qualify for the Pro Series, was probably uh, one of my top moments there. Okay, great. That's that's fantastic. Uh, so so you're a pretty serious uh, high end driver there. If you're if you're uh, fighting it out in the Pro Series, so uh, congratulations to that. That's that's really good. So now um, you also uh, along with your iRacing World Outlaw announcing, you also do some real life stuff too. Do you want to touch on that for a moment? Uh, yeah. So in 2016, I uh, I announced my first race. Uh, the guy that was supposed to be announcing the race, he was getting married. Uh, he was having his bachelor party, and then the next weekend he was getting married. So I announced two races in a row, uh, and I was just didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and the guy that was actually there filming that night doing the highlight videos, he's like, dude, you should you know follow me around, and we should you know go do some some live streams and stuff. So that that year in 2015. Uh, went all over the place, went to Idaho, Montana, Washington, Oregon, um, Arizona, all, all kinds of places. And ever since then, uh, it's just kind of started to build up a little bit more and more. In 2017, maybe 16, actually, I started denouncing the USAC West Coast Sprint Cars, USAC CRA Sprint Cars uh, out here in California. And, you know, did a couple of, of big events, you know, whether it was North Carolina or Indiana or, you know, going to Indiana Sprint Week or Oval Nationals at Paris and whatnot. And then just recently, um, you know, I, I, everybody's like, oh, the, you know, the coronavirus is, is such a bad deal. Uh, you know, but it, for some people, it was kind of a blessing in disguise, you know, when the coronavirus happened and, and the World of Outlaws, um, they couldn't race, obviously, obviously NASCAR couldn't race, World of Outlaws couldn't race, and they had those pro invitationals. Um, I got the call to do the, the broadcast with Johnny Gibson and Rick Eshelman, the announcers for the World of Outlaws, late models and sprint cars. And um, that led me into doing some pit reporting in real life for the World of Outlaws sprint car series. And I've done about six of those shows, and we've got... I think eight or ten more planned for the rest of the season, and uh, it's been it's been quite the journey. A year ago today, if you would have told me that I'd be doing stuff for the World of Outlaws, I would I'd call you crazy, man, because I was um, so full blown with USAC and stuff like that. But um, you know, when when you get the offers, when you get an offer to for, to do the World of Outlaws, you you got to take it. So um, it's been a it's been a wild journey, and it's so cool to be able to do the real life stuff, and also come in and do the iRacing racing commentary as well. Uh, when I've been iRacing racing for you know about nine years now so um it's it's definitely a cool deal and, and i hope i can continue to do these these uh, online races as well because there's a lot of hype around them as well yeah it's uh, it just seems like another way that i racing has been jumping jump starting careers in the actual real world world of racing in in several different ways so congratulations to that and uh, good luck and hope it hope it works out really well so um now we're going to get into uh Monday's race at uh, Williams Grove Speedway. That was uh, the this is the ninth round of ten for the Morton's Builders World Outlaws Late Model Series, and we, they're coming in the next to the last round with just a tight tight a point lead as you can get with Dylan Wilson entering the day with a single point lead over Hayden Carwell, and after last week's win, Kendall Tucker he closes the gap to third place, just fifteen points back. So uh, after the initial qualifying run, um, Devin Morgan, who was uh, fourth in the points, he sets a fast time in qualifying Qualifying with uh, Hayden Cardwell second fastest and Wilson fourth. So all Cardwell, Wilson are all going to get uh, pole positions in their respective heats. Tell me about how important that is in these races. 
Oh, especially with the the new build that came out recently. Um, they they the guys at Iris can kind of made it to where the tracks don't wear out as much as they as quickly as they used to. So, and especially with um, had a couple of guys get in trouble at the last race at Knoxville uh, and kind of had to take a week or two off. So we only had 28 cars in the field for that one. And when the racetrack has that new that new build on it, and you have you know, excuse me, less drivers out there on the racetrack. It kind of kind of made it to where uh, the track held a lot more moisture than what we're seeing normally at Williams Grove Speedway. So being on the pole for a heat race, especially with how the format works in this series, uh, is, is so, it's so crucial because, you know, if you win that first pole or, you know, you win that first heat race, uh, we talk about it every single week on the, on the broadcast that you're on the pole of the feature. So, you know, you win the heat race one, two, three, or four, you're in the first two rows. And uh, especially with that new build, man, the track position is so key and, uh, we kind of saw that the other night when we saw, uh, you know, those those top five starters kind of finish right there in the top five as well. Yeah, they all seem to have really good qualifying efforts, and um, that that kept them all in the chase for this uh, championship run here. So uh, we from there we go to heat one, which is a uh, won by Devin Morgan. He earns himself the pole position in the feature, and Kendall Tucker Tucker in that race finishes second. So he's going to start fifth. Now Kendall Tucker uh, really came back from uh, quite a few points back before last week. And with the win last week and the trouble for both Wilson and Cardwell, he really uh, put himself back in the, the uh, hunt for this thing. So uh, this uh, this is the second year where we're like three, three drivers seem like they're really gunning for that championship. Yeah, and after last year, Tucker is really the only guy that's been was in the the uh, championship conversation for both of the um, both of those races. So, I mean, Kendall, I think last year finished up second and up behind Blake Majulis. So, uh, no surprise to see him up there inside the top three, and he's about twenty four points behind Hayden going into Charlotte. So, he's kind of got he's got a chance, obviously, but it's kind of a long shot. He's got to kind of hope that Hayden and Dylan have have some kind of problem. But uh, Kendall's been super super. Um, consistent all season long not quite as consistent as the likes of cardwell wilson and uh, devin morgan he's got you know it's wilson and morgan with with the most top five finishes but you know kendall's been right there right outside the top five on several different occasions and it was so cool to see him finally get that win in knoxville a few weeks ago after you know becoming or being so close uh last season there was just so many opportunities for him that he could have won or had a had a chance he'd get wrecked or something would happen and then he went over to the sprint car series and the same thing man he'd lead a bunch of laps and he'd get wrecked or turn around or he'd you know have some kind of issue so it was great to see him get that win finally and uh, have another shot here maybe win ten thousand dollars on at uh, charlotte here come next monday Exactly, and uh, Kendall Tucker seems like one of those uh, driver favorites that, like, like the, a lot of the other drivers seem to see, uh, have a lot of regard for him for some reason. I maybe it's just because he's been on such a long streak of not uh, closing out wins until up until last week. But he seems like uh, he's one of the guys that everybody roots for when they're not rooting for themselves. I guess. Yeah, uh, I also root for Kendall Tucker. He's a he's a friend of mine. Like I mentioned earlier, that I'm I'm kind of friends with a lot of guys in the Pro Series, uh, especially the Swindell Speed Lab team guys. Uh, you know, James Edens and and Kendall and Blake Cannon, all those guys. We kind of hang out on the same team speak, and uh, Kendall. Um, he, it's kind of funny. His mom, uh, his mom actually added me on Facebook uh, a few weeks ago, and I just text Kendall. I said, "Hey, what what is your mom? You know, you know, adding me on Facebook for?" And he's like, "Oh man, she's she's a huge Chase Rodman fan. She just loves the the way you announce these races, and she loves the way that you know you kind of hype me up, and uh, it's just cool, you know. And I think I'm gonna meet." Uh, I'm going to meet Kendall. I'm going to meet a bunch of these guys at the 
World Finals uh, later on this year. Uh, sounds like a bunch of them, the Hayden Cardwell and James Edens and all these guys are trying to get an Airbnb out there for the World Finals at Charlotte, and uh, we're all going to finally meet up with each other, so it'd be pretty cool. But yeah, uh, Kendall is definitely um, not only a fan favorite, but he's, he's, uh, he's pretty friendly with a lot of the drivers in the field as well. Okay, cool. So um, so we, that takes us to Heat 2, where uh, Hayden Carwell, he goes green to checker and uh, doesn't have too much trouble winning that one. So he's going to be, be on the outside of the main event. And then uh, we go to Heat 3, where Evan C., who came off a really unlucky last two weeks, where he found himself upside down in two features in a row. And he wins uh, Heat 3 and trying to salvage the rest of his season. He's, he's really had a lot of bad luck the past two weeks and dropped a lot of points, but uh, he He's been fast all season. Yeah, it's, that's a tough break there for Evan. He was leading the points there for one of the weeks. I can't remember which exactly race it was where he took the lead for one weekend and then um, had some kind of problem and, and fell back. And now Evan's kind of in a position to where he's far enough ahead of Alex Bergeron for that, that fifth spot in the championship points, but he's also close enough to Devin Morgan to where he can grab uh, the fourth place position in the championship point standings, which uh, is a pretty good uh, amount of money that can be changed there. You know, Evan right now currently fifth. I think it's 500 bucks to finish fifth in the points, and I think it's about 1000 or 750 for fourth. So uh, Evan definitely was a championship contender there up until about week seven. I think it was at Fairbury where he got upside down, and then also at Knoxville he ran into some problems there. So uh, uh, it, it was tough to see Evan kind of slip back and, and make it into more of a two-car race up front for the championship. But uh, I know that he's gonna he's gonna be coming out, uh, you know, guns guns blazing at, at Charlotte, trying to close out the year with, with a win. Yeah, he sure will. I'm sure. Uh, so um, we get to the fourth heat, which is really important because Dylan Wilson starts on the pole, and uh, he, uh, in order to keep from losing any points before even the before even the heat, the main feature starts, he has to win his heat, and he does. So uh, he starts on the pole, he wins the heat, and uh, stays uh, even with him, with uh, Hayden Carwell in points before that race uh, feature starts. So that was a really important deal for him, and he winds up pulling through. It seemed to me like uh, in those heat races with a fresh track at Williams Grove this year, it just seemed like um, there wasn't a whole lot of passing uh, early in the race while the track was still fresh. Uh, is that is that what you uh, you were thinking as well? Yeah, I was um, coming into the night. I was expecting it to be one of the better races that we had all season, uh, due to the fact that the race last year was absolutely unbelievable. Still, one of the best races I've ever seen uh, in the World Championships, as far as uh, you know, as far as the sprint cars and the late models go. Um, but I think with that new update. Uh, that I was talking about earlier where the track doesn't wear out quite as much. Um, that kind of led to a lot of single file action in the heat races and, and in the B main. So, um, you know, but as you mentioned, a very key moment there for Dylan Wilson to not lose any points to Hayden Cardwell after the heat races. And then another key moment was him holding on to that third spot at the end of the race, which we'll talk about here in just a few moments. But uh, a very good night for Dylan Wilson, who also mentioned in his interview after the race that he felt like he was a seventh place car. So for him to hold on to third was very impressive and and probably saved his championship hopes here yeah exactly so uh, we'll get into the feature now so uh so to set up the feature we have uh devin morgan he's going to sit on the pole with hayden cardwell uh on the outside uh directly behind cardwell is going to be dylan wilson and uh kendall tucker third in points he's uh starting in the fifth spot so uh as the race starts devin morgan he takes the lead early from the start with uh cardwell fall, falling in line to second um on lap two, Wilson gets by C to pull in the second or third place behind Cardwell, which was a which was a big pass at the time. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, once Wilson got up to third, I thought maybe he might have a shot to contend for the win. Uh, but then Devin Morgan, as we saw, uh, was very consistent out front, especially at the beginning of the race when the track was still having a lot of moisture in it. Guys were just kind of going through the middle of the racetrack and not having to worry about uh, the throttle control too much. But then there towards about lap, I don't know, 8 to 15 or so, Hayden really started to put a lot of pressure on, on Devin for the race lead, but ultimately couldn't really get by in there. Yeah, it, there seemed like a point in time where um, where the high line came in and uh, Hayden Carwell would start pulling into uh, Devin Morgan to, to, to pull on his tail and, and, and challenge him for the lead. But uh, that might have went away after that cushion really went up close to the wall. And uh, I don't I don't think uh, he was able to keep up that pace once that happened. Yeah, in three and four every time at Williams Grove, it seems like um, there's just so many different lines that can be ran and we saw that exact thing happening uh, on Monday night. We saw guys, you know, way down there running the very inside of the racetrack in three and four. We saw the race leader, Devin Morgan. He would enter in on the bottom and slide up to the top of the racetrack and, uh, you know, kind of prevent Hayden Cardwell from being able to challenge him in any way on the bottom of the racetrack. And then we saw Hayden back there in second. He was, you know, throwing the kitchen sink at it, just trying anything he could to, to track down Devin. You know, he'd enter in way up by the outside wall in turn three and try to turn it down the hill and hit the moisture on the exit of turn four and then he'd try and ride the wall all the way around three and four, but you know, it just didn't work out for him. And it seemed like Devin Morgan was was the was the class of the field all night long. Um, and he was, I think, uh, Brian, I think he was the seventh, maybe the sixth different winner uh, on the season, which is something that we saw last season. It's that's why I was so excited for this late model series uh, in 2020, just because we had so many different winners last year. And the same thing happened again here this year uh, with Hayden Carbo being the only guy that's had repeat wins. It was great to see. Uh, Devin Morgan pick up his first series win. Yeah, exactly. It's been crazy uh, with uh, how many different winners this series produces. Um, you know, uh, Hayden Carwell is the only one with uh, three wins this year, but other than that, it's been a different winner every week. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's a really great uh, great thing to watch because you're always seeing different people up there battling for wins. It seems like. Oh, no doubt about it, man. I mean, we've, we've seen Tucker obviously got his first win. Morgan last week. Uh, James Edens kind of came out of nowhere, got the win at uh, Kokomo Speedway. Uh, and then Blake Majulis, who, um, you know, had a little incident at the beginning of the season, took him out of the running for the championship, uh, got a win at Eldora Speedway. And then, uh, you know, the, the likes of um, the likes of Drew Hopkins, which was probably the, the craziest win, I think, out of all of them, grabbing the win at Volusia the first week out. Uh, went right by Hayden in the last couple laps and, and took the win there. So it's been a very, very exciting season all year long. And um, it's great to see uh, you guys, along with, um, you know, iRacing kind of getting more and more involved in promoting this dirt side of the World Championships. It seems like kind of the, the Coke series gets a lot of the praise, a lot of the attention. But there is a ton of great racing that goes on in this World of Outlaws Late Models and the NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series um, every single Monday night, man. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch, and I'm glad to be able to call it. Right, and uh, I don't know if these guys get enough credit for how difficult these cars are to drive. I oh, mean, no that, doubt. I've, I've raced the uh, late model, uh, and I've raced the uh, 410 sprint cars, and they are just a handful on these tracks. And uh, the way these guys run uh, so fast, so close together, it, it's, it's a credit to what talent these guys are, are showing every week. Oh, no doubt about it, man. I would have to say, uh, you know, I, I might get some some heat from this, but I feel like the cars, these late models and the sprint cars, with how dynamic, how the, the, the sorry, the dynamic track works, I almost think that 
these guys are it's harder to drive these cars and be as competitive as they are than it is maybe in the Coke series. Obviously, the Coke series, you've got to have the, the really good setups, but you don't have to worry about the track changing and moving around in the line, the different lines, you know, going to the top, going to the bottom, you know, trying different things out. It's mostly kind of one line, uh, you know, whether that's on the bottom or in the middle of the track there at the Coke series. With these guys, uh, as you've watched so far this season, I mean, they're all over the racetrack trying to find moisture, trying to find the speed, and uh, along with the setups, man, it's, uh, it's incredibly hard to do, and um, I, I credit these guys every single week. When we have a caution-free race, uh, it's absolutely unbelievable. And we've had, I think, three or four caution-free races this season, which uh, just goes to show how good these guys really are. Yeah, I, I, I second that for sure. So getting back to the race, uh, on lap 20, Evan C. and Dylan Wilson uh, come together while the battling back for third place. Um, Evan drops back a couple spots after some contact with uh, Dylan Wilson. and But from there on out, it becomes a three-way battle for third place with Evan, Dylan, and um, uh, who else was in there? Oh, uh, um, uh, Kendall. Yeah, Kendall. Uh, and boy, they had a, a prodigious battle for third. Lap after lap, they were just really mixing it up. It was great racing, but it really kind of let uh, Devin Morgan and Hayden Carwell really kind of just check out from that area. And uh, and uh, Devin Morgan, as you said, he, he does a consistent job uh, running his race. Hayden Carwell puts some pressure on him, but in the end, Devin Morgan, he takes the win. It's his first win of the year. Yeah, Devin, he's been uh, you know the second most consistent driver, I would say, all season long. He's got six top fives. Uh, only Dylan Wilson has that same amount. Hayden Carville's only got five. Uh, but Devin, when he hasn't finished in the top five, uh, it's been a bad run for him. So that's why he's kind of relegated back to fourth in the points. But, you know, I, it's, it's going to be crazy come Monday night there, Brian. Uh, Hayden Carville obviously has been the dominant force this season with three wins, 171 laps led. And, you know, Dylan Wilson uh, has has been very very consistent six top fives zero wins only 82 laps led but that's kind of the two different uh you know tales that we've got going on here you've got a guy that's been dominant you got a guy that's been very consistent and here they are at the end of the season both with a shot at the championship and uh, it's just crazy to me that we've come all the way here to now the 10th race come monday night dylan wilson has not gotten a win but he's still right there, just two points behind Hayden. So uh, I really can't wait. Uh, I know that there's a lot of people, you know, I check the YouTube comments, the, the Twitch comments or whatever, uh, throughout the race and, you know, after the race, and people are like, wow, man, this is going to be crazy. This is going to be, you know, must-watch stuff here. So uh, there's definitely a lot of hype behind it coming Monday, and I really hope that, uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, that you're going to tune in on Monday as well. Yeah, I, I would highly recommend to tune in. You just never know what's going to happen in these races. Last week, last week's race was just a roller coaster of ups and downs between the two lead drivers. Um, it was just a fantastic race. So, um, so we are going into the championship next week at the dirt track at Charlotte, Monday at nine o'clock. Um, Cardwell uh, takes the lead with just two points over Dil Dylan Wilson. Uh, he's twenty-two ahead of. Uh, Kendall Tucker. Um, so it looks like it's probably going to be a two car race to the finish, but you never know. Uh, stranger things have happened. And uh, wow, wow, it's just going to be a, a great, great finish this coming week. Uh, we really look forward to hearing your call on that, Chase. Uh, you've been doing a great job all season long. You and Justin Prince have been, have, have been just laying down great, great commentary on these races. 
Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's been a lot of fun to work with Justin and kind of, uh, you know, he's, he's more of a, a pavement guy, but we've uh, we've kind of dragged him over to the dirt side of things. And uh, sometimes after these races, man, I can think back to, to Kokomo or, or Fairbury or some other races, and we get done with the broadcast, and Justin's he's out of breath, man. He's used to the, the Coke stuff or, you know, different pavement series, and uh, it's it's taken a lot for him to, to adjust to becoming a, a dirt racing announcer with how fast-paced it is. But he's really come around, and it's been a lot of fun to call the races with him and uh, man i just can't wait for money to roll around here and see who uh, who walks away with ten thousand dollars uh, at the dirt track at charlotte motor speedway yeah we're all looking forward to it so uh before you go uh do you happen to uh want to make any predictions for the final race or you just want to leave it up to everybody's imagination on monday night Man, it's it's so hard to say. I mean, there was a big race uh, at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Dirt Track a few months back called the Spring Fling, and it brought out all of the best guys in iRacing. Uh, you, you know, you didn't have to be a pro to run this race, and it was some. I think it was like two or three thousand dollars to win. And uh, Hayden Cardwell, he he won that race, but Dylan Wilson started way back in I think tenth or twentieth place or something. He ended up third. So it's going to be tough to say, man. They're both very very good at this racetrack. Uh, it's going to be you know who who doesn't get any damage on the race car uh, on that back spoiler because that really affects the speed on these cars a lot so whoever can keep their car clean and uh, obviously I feel like qualifying is a very big deal and you hear these drivers in the interviews talk about it a lot that qualifying is so key uh, for these races starting up front in the heat race so uh, I, I'm going to take a wild guess and say whoever qualifies the best out of the two guys, you know, between Cardwell and Wilson will probably uh, get the win. But, um, you know, at this point in time, man, it's 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 anybody's guess, man. I, I, I root for both of them, man. I, I like Cardwell, I like Wilson, and I like Kendall Tucker, man. So um, either way, whoever wins it, man, I think we're all winners because this series has been, has been a ton of fun to watch so far in 2020. I, I can't agree with you more. Well, thanks again, Chase. Uh, you've been great to come on, and uh, uh, let's uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing you Monday night. Thank you very much, man. All right, thanks, Brian. Yeah. And down the back straightaway, the 112 of Devin Morgan has maybe been the most consistent driver all season long. And tonight, it'll finally pay off as he'll get the win in the Keystone State. Devin Morgan leads all 50 tonight at the Williams Grove Speedway. He gets the win during round number nine of the World of Outlaws Morton Billings Late Model Series. Okay, thanks, Brian and Chase Rodman. On to the news. Let's talk Coke pre-race, uh, or off-week, I should say, uh, events. Uh, Nick Ottinger posted up his new hardware. Uh, comes er Christmas comes early, he said. Um, and he shows off his new G923 wheel and pedals, uh, thanks to Logitech. Um, obviously, uh, he's a sponsor uh, involved with that, uh, Logitech, and uh, they sent him his that new wheel with that true force feedback. And then some sad news, uh, Jeremy Allen, one of the Coke drivers, uh, put out a release on Twitter. Uh, Yesterday, I gave notice to NASCAR, iRacing, and JTG that I wouldn't be able to make the remaining races due to a pending surgery to fix my back. 2019 was one hell of a ride for me, and I was able to prove myself that with enough time, I could compete on the highest level. I really That's do hope he can break. get back. Yeah, I really do hope he can get back. But I heard some was it somebody who said he pro they probably don't think he's going to race again, even online. Well, then someone said they sold his stuff, right? Mike, you said you saw some of his stuff for sale. Yeah, he put up uh, postings in uh, Facebook, uh, you know, groups where you buy and sell sim hardware, uh, his wheel and pedals, and uh, they sold quick, I think. But yeah, he sold out all his stuff, and 
that's tough. Uh, I hope he's planning on coming back at some point. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a tough way to go out. We wish him a speedy recovery from it because nothing, no back surgery is uh, a walk in the park. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I would think that you could recover from back surgery to be able to sim race again. But it is tough to get back into that Coke series if you think about it because you got that really long road to pro series you got to go through and then the, the pro series and then, you know, make it into the Coke series. So it's quite a challenge. Well, we were talking like the only way that they could do it is that they make an exception and make like a 41st spot or something like that for the field the next time they do a ro the pro series so that he can try and qualify. Well, that seems fair. I mean, NASCAR has a, a, a waiver for medical. You know, we've seen that before with uh, Kyle Busch and whatnot when he broke his ankle and I think even Brad Keselowski. Well, all the guys that are getting quarantined uh, are getting waiver, obviously. Right, Austin Dillon. And He's lucky he won his race beforehand, though, so it didn't really have to worry about it. But it's it just sucks that it's mid-season, but if it's something that he obviously is, it was he knew about it before time, and it probably maybe it got pushed back with this COVID and stuff like that, so maybe it's just unfortunate it's coming up before the season ends. Yeah, tough break for Jeremy. We'll be uh, thinking about him and best wishes and uh, on the surgery and hope everything goes well. All right, Greg, well, not top 10 highlights. This one was pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of a it, – it doesn't look like your normal not top 10 when you see the first post, like the image from it, the thumbnail. It's kind of interesting the way that they've spliced it. But I watched this. There's some really good highlights in here, just some funny stuff that happens in racing that, you know, we see some odd things, but – just some of these other things that have happened. Like, do you see the one where the guy, he wrecks, and then he has to slowly get to the line backwards and then spins around, and he has no tire with his, uh, I'm guessing that's one of the newer, or it's like the F3 car? Yeah, it, it, it is a very off-color. Some of the, I mean, not off-color, but different, I guess is a better way to say it. Like, the first one is, is hilarious. It's like a, the announcer. So the driver's name is Najin, like N-G-U-Y-N. That's, and it's pronounced Nyin. Nyin. He says something like, Nyin needs a new engine. Yeah, it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I guess you had to be there. The, uh, there's, there's a really one that I was really uh, liked was the rally car when the one spins up on the bottom of the hill and then the Subaru jumps them, perfectly jumps them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah right was... over it. Like, and it seems like, uh, I'm sorry, Greg, uh, it seems like uh, this new damage model is providing a lot of not top 10 moments in it with parts flying off and stuff like that, especially in the open wheel cars. Now, David, you ran the 24 hours of Spa. Could you imagine on lap 542 of Spa, you get stuck in pit road uh, like Austin Powers? Um, I don't know which one would be more frustrating because you, you want to get the chance, you know, to run the whole race and see what you got. So you get really upset if somebody wrecks you out in the first hour, but um, it's also pretty frustrating if you've made it so far and then have a glitch ruin your day. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, the, one, the one with the open wheel cars where the the guy, you know, clips the other guy and the guy's wheel is broken, but the, it's tethered and it gets wrapped around the 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 uh, other wheel of the other car and he's dragging the car down the track. And the car is like behind behind him is backwards, but he's dragging it because the wheels are tangled. Uh, that's hilarious. And then when he takes a hard right, the car comes loose and just goes straight into the wall. 
Yeah, he just Ooh. gets launched. He gets that, launched into that wall. That number two wreck, I've had that very same thing happen where you just don't know a car's there and you suddenly plow into him. Yeah, that, that wreck hurts because the worst part is one car wrecks into another car and then the car that that car wrecked wrecks another car and then that car that wrecks that car wrecks another one. It just keeps piling in. Yeah, but it, what happens is you just, I mean, because you're behind somebody else at a certain angle, you just don't know they're there. We're going to have that, what, next week when we're at Daytona. You're just not, you're going to be so tight on somebody, you're just not going to see what's going to go in front of you. And then the number one was the classic figure eight racing, and uh, that was kind of cool to look at, too. We've been talking a lot about hosting one of these. We need to do that for uh, the community. I am, I am totally in. This looks like the, the right car to do it with, too, these uh, rally cars. I think these rally cars would be the ca best car to do it with. The TCR is also a, really a tank, so that might, that one might be fun, too. Are any of the rally cars free? I haven't even looked at them. The, the, uh, yeah, BW, the BW, BW is free. Yeah, if we did that, we would, uh, the community wouldn't have to buy a car. Another bang-up job and uh, by the uh, production crew there. It's always great to watch those. Well, speaking of buying things, one thing you're not going to be buying is NASCAR Heat. It's going away, and I think uh, Mike just about wanted to throw a party probably when he saw this news. It's not going away. It's just being rebranded, and another company is developing it. Oh, it's, it's basically just going to be rebranded uh, probably NASCAR 2021 or 21 or whatever just to restart it over, right? Yeah. We had a n nice little argument in chat going on on whether or not it was a new group doing the software or not. Well, and the interesting thing there was there's a thing about possibly an IndyCar trying to build a game for IndyCar too, but and we haven't had an IndyCar game since Papyrus did it years ago, and I remember that that was a that was a the best part about that is it was one of the only games where I could actually do my home race on it. They had Toronto the street course in Toronto, and it was awesome. Yeah, I don't mind the console NASCAR stuff. I mean, it's going to happen, but I don't like when NASCAR promotes it as, oh, this is real racing kind of stuff, it, and that's kind of annoying. But I, I was telling the group uh, in chat this week, I think iRacing has really set themselves apart from console racing uh, It's in 2020 due to the coronavirus and everything that happened with NASCAR and all that. Yeah, um, even on NASCAR's website, they used to... to broadcast the results of the nascar heat races and i don't even think they're doing that anymore are they i haven't seen it well it's a social media thing that drives me nuts uh, you know they present it like it's the real deal and oh you know check this out we've got big action you know blah 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 the problem is mike and, and uh, i think you probably understand this is there's over two million or 200 million consoles between xbox and playstation out in the wild so why wouldn't you try and capitalize on that? It's it sucks that they're all using money, it right? As, yeah, it sucks that they're using it as their branding thing. But you know, it's not it's not the beat all end all. It's just there to capitalize on what they need to. It's the same with F one. F one does they could use i racing with that, but no, they use their Codemaster with it. It's just well, it's they're going where the money is. There's a, I think there's a little bit of a difference, though, because NASCAR has worked more closely with iRacing than F1. So they, they're, they're not going to just completely disregard heat, and they're going to market it, too, because it opens up a niche to them that can help bring people in at a different entry level. But at the same time, 
they are very closely partnered with iRacing. Uh, you know, they're running the broadcasts for iRacing through their studios now, through through the iRacing studios, all the NBC partnerships, everything. So I think they've done a better job of trying to take advantage of both markets compared to F1, who won't work with iRacing at all. Yeah, they're just too far away with all the tracks and cars and everything. Well, F1 doesn't want anything where they're probably going to have to use um, their data, right? Like, they they don't want their cars scanned because it's their stuff, their technology. It's the hardest, probably the hardest thing to get would be is any information from an F1 team. Just have it where they just give up last year's model, They you know. They don't have to give scans from this year, but every year you give us at the end of the season, we get the scan of last year's model. Anyway, let's keep moving. Uh, we got a question in the forums. What is Clock Smash? Jack Atkinson uh, asked the question because in the results, if you look closely, uh, some people have that listed next to their lap when you look at a lap counter. Uh, and what it is, and says Nick Leap from iRacing, he says, Clock Smash is what we call it when we jump forward in time on your local machine to catch up where the server is. Basically, that person's PC was struggling to keep up with the physics. It was falling behind the server time as it was attempting to calculate things. When this gets really bad, we say, okay, we're never going to catch back up, so we need to give up and just skip forward. This is called a clock smash because we destroy the concept of when you are in this session and force you forward to the current time. This is super jarring, so we only do it in extreme situations. If you ever watch your skew bar go farther and farther left until it magically resets to the middle, this is what we call that process. So what you're saying is we're time traveling. Right, it's time travel. When you're using a crappy computer that can't keep up, you're doing a clock smash uh, ever so often. So where does the clock show up? Is they saying like, where does it show up on the on the server? Is it just is it just there's that? a link uh, in the there's a link there that you can click in the forum post and it shows it, but um, it's like somebody's lap list of their speeds of each lap. And then in the comment section, it says like off track or that kind of thing. And then it says fastest lap. But on two of them, it says invalid, discontinuity, clock smash. Okay, I see it. You're talking about now. That's so it obviously makes the lap invalid. So right, he didn't score a time. Man, this guy couldn't stay on the track at all in this. But obviously he was having computer issues. I don't think I've ever come across that in a race I've been in. I've never seen a clock jump, no. Yeah, I don't I've, know if I've experienced this myself. I've seen that you cannot get a qualifying lap if you're blinking out too much. And at the end of this, Nick says, looking at the lap chart, I would guess something like his antivirus scanner started up and brought his system to a near halt. So get rid of that antivirus. So he definitely wasn't flying. No, he wasn't. Uh, Klimt James Smith, who uh, noticed that on turn six at Road Atlanta, that the crowd is flying. They're uh, floating above the ground, and he posted it in the forums with a picture where, yeah, you can see the, the crowd is uh, well well off the ground. So um, uh, apparently uh, Michael Berg uh, from uh, iRacing responded to his post and said, yeah, man, good catch. He saw his post and assured that they're going to get these guys back on Terraformer, no, no, no problem. 
and just not a little bit off the ground. I would estimate, you know, 50 to 100 feet, you know, based on what I'm seeing. Does it really need to fix it? Could you not just eliminate them? They're not really... Does anybody really care that they're standing out there? Like, I don't, obviously. I mean, someone else might do, but it's kind of... There's so not, no detail and everything, and the whole area there has very little detail. It seems like waste of resources. Well, yeah, broadcast. What about a broadcast? Well, that train yeah, from, doesn't look good. From what I understand, uh, uh, this uh, Clint, he he actually only saw it from like a blimp view, and uh, so it's probably not real close to the track or anything like that. So yeah, I'm not sure if it's not worth just get rid of them at that point or or spending the time fixing the problem. That may be a place they're not even supposed to be. Actually, that may be why they're floating. Yeah, it could have just been creeped in code or something like that. If you look at the contour of the crowd, it doesn't match the the uh, ground. Yeah, something's a little weird there, but uh, they uh, acknowledged it and they said they're going to take a look at it. So who lights celebrity rigs? I think we do. Well, I really like his carpet in his room, but anyways, um, post here... Uh, Road course ace Josh Rogers is showing on Twitter um, his brand new rig, I guess, or just uh, no, it's not a brand new rig. It's just his rig setup. And uh, is it uh, Raphael um, D noticed? Um, he noticed something interesting in the picture, and uh, he's like, "Does that those look like VRS pedals?" And Josh kind of replied with the uh, googly eyes. So it looks like we kind of got an image of... The rumored VRS pedals. Rumored VRS pedals. Like, they look... The setup is really nice. Like, he's got a nice, clean room. Like, it's a clean setup room. And uh, he's got a little trophy case in the in the uh, corner there. Nice setup, triple setup with uh, data above. Like, it's, it's a really nice setup. It's so simple, too. Okay, so... I, I don't know if this is Josh's rig specifically, because remember, this is Coanda Simsport. They have the Sim House that they uh, put together, and that's why the carpet is that bright, bright purple, because um, that's the team colors. But this is just a, a, one of the several Sim rigs they have throughout the house, and I think they just trade off using them. And, uh, yeah. Is this? So I'm just trying to look at some of the stuff here. So is that at the back there? Is that the PC underneath the seat? Is that the way they have it, or is it somewhere well, else? Well, I, I mean, you look at those round things behind the seat. Those look like fans. It seems kind of weird to put it under the seat, though. They're kind of closed in. Wouldn't that create heat? I mean, obviously, got two nice fans, but it just seems odd. But it could be behind the monitors here too. We don't know what's behind the monitors, but. Boy, isn't it clean? You can't see a single wire, not a one. <laughs> I was thinking, so, I was thinking those were uh, speakers. Actually, they could be. Yeah, speakers. that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, they look like woofers or something. Yeah, it's just it's an odd. It's it's the first time I've seen something located like that. So for our audio listeners, what we're looking at is we see eighty twenty kind of style for the steering wheel base and and where the monitors are and the pedals. But the seat and everything else is on, like, it looks like this a wood, not a wood base, but some kind of base that's wood and metal. And it looks like it has speakers that are coming up out of that base right behind the seat. 
All I have to say is, for an 80-20 rig, that is like one of the simplest but cleanest looking rigs. I guess it's I so simple. I don't know how, I, I've looked at my rig and how could I make it where I can't see a wire? I don't think I can. I, I literally don't. I don't know how people do this. They, they probably run wires through the rails. Like, the way that some of this is set up, it's probably run through this. But it's also probably tied in behind these monitors, too. Yeah, that computer has to be behind that monitor. That's what I'm thinking. You can see a little on the, but right behind where the, I'm guessing that's the new VRS base too, isn't it? Yeah, VRS is in cahoots with Coanda, so yeah, I would assume so. If you look at his Twitter feed, it does say it's hiding like a seat heater. So it could be like CPU. Oh, there, yeah, he said, uh, where's the PC? It's hiding, acting like a seat heater. There you go. That's crazy. There must have some good airflow under there then. Yeah, because like just the heat, getting the heat out of there would be pretty insane. That would make really... me really nervous. Yeah, was, make... they must know that it's not going to do it. Fans well, maybe, purple. maybe what looks like speakers right behind that seat is actually fans. Tony. Yeah, that's what I, my initial thought was, was they were fans, like big old fans. Well, good job on uh, the setup of that room. It's uh, definitely the cleanest racing room I've seen. Beautiful. Well done, Josh and Kawanda. So NASCAR has a history of trying to reduce the number of over-the-wall guys to try to cut cost and reduce danger. Uh, one of the things you don't have to mess with in danger is, or one of the things you don't have to mess with in iRacing is danger. So why not just have two pit crews? What we have next is a, a screenshot of uh, two pit crews. Got uh, one on the left, one on the right, and then the staff uh, asking where this happened and if it was oval. Pretty That's interesting. It. It's like the, the pit crew on the right, which is the tire changers and carriers and the fuel guy, they're like, it appears like they should be standing on the wall, you know, looking, waiting for the car to come. But there's no wall because they're on the inside of the pit road, you know, closest to the track. It's weird. Looks like yeah, they're, they're both stuck in standby mode. Yeah, they're they're lined up like a like an offensive line in a football football game. You know, they're just all lined up in their in their in their three point stances almost. Hike. <laughs> you know what I would do if I was him? I'd take my car and paint it like a football and take the screenshot again. Done. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing to notice is the color of the pit, the pit crews, you know, helmets and everything match. And so that indicates it's the same pit crew. It's probably just, it's, it's one of those rare instances where a piece of coding gets stuck, I guess. And this happens because sometimes you get the crew when they're like above the car doing the pit stop and, or under the car, you know, these are just odd things that pop up every once in a while. Check out the shadow on the ground of the pit crew from the right side. You got the fuel man. You can see his legs touching the ground. But all the other four, got five guys, they're up in the air, so to speak, two or three feet up, you know, standing on the invisible wall. Well, the pit or the gas man always sits on the wall, right? When you come down pit road, I, can, I can't remember. He's always sitting on the But look at the, the shadow. Ledge. So it's quite, quite interesting but it's obviously broken somehow there that uh, hopefully it's not something that uh, pops up more, but uh, they're saying it's for the carburetor cup. One of my favorite series. 
Next up is another great video by iRacing. Uh, this time, the best of broadcast from 2020. And they were actually on Twitter asking, you know, everyone's feedback. What was the best moment of 2020? We're making a video. And I think I put, I uh, responded and told them, uh, you know, when Chase uh, Elliott got moved at Texas uh, for the win from uh, Timmy Hill. And that was the move that I thought would make uh, the list. And sure enough, that's one of the moments that they put in this video. Uh, amongst all the other ones, like Scott Dixon and, uh, you know, racing Simon Pagano for the for the IndyCar re, uh, race. And that one uh, really cool IndyCar race we talked about a, a little while ago where Sage Karam won it and they were four wide. And what do you guys think? I think the thing that I remember the most from this season was the inaugural race at Homestead where Earnhardt and uh, Hamlin were racing off the corner uh side by side for the win like that's the one that always sticks in my head because it started everything off it started it started this whole thing yeah and it's it's a great video just kind of highlights all those great moments you know yeah and uh this year especially is uh is quite different with the with the pandemic stuff you know we're getting you know real world announcers on these and uh you know of course they're professional as it gets and they just do great calls they talked about the firecracker 400 that uh, Parker Kligerman did, you know, with uh, Landon Castle uh, promoting that event. And uh, yeah, the Coke race, all kinds of different uh, races were uh, the Lamar race were was highlighted. There was some dirt racing uh, that was highlighted with uh, the World of Outlaw guys. I just watching these videos time after time, I'm like in awe of just how well these graph or the graphics have come and, and just the production value of everything that's that's that they do here like the way that they can show the cars and the photorealism it's just you know these videos just hype you up every time you watch them to go and want to race heck yeah especially when it's real race car drivers you see like scott dixon and simon pagino like duking it out you know and it looks just like the real indy car racing and in it, in all reality, it is. So, Greg, uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, some of the production value of that last video clip. Well, uh, how about some content value coming in the season four update? Looks uh, like we're we're going to get some content pricing. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get uh, in starting season four. The Volkswagen Jetta is going to be now for free. The UMP modified is going to be free. The Corvette DP is lowered to 295, and the HD, HPD LMP2 is now 295. And there's some more, and there's some tracks that are going to be free as well. We have uh, Rand Park, Ulton Park, uh, Langley, Southern National, and Limeland are all going to be free tracks uh, starting season four. I always wondered if they would like. It's nice to see that they start dropping. I like some of these prices i thought the jetta was already free but i guess i just overlooked it because i don't know how popular that car is but um you wonder if they'd ever do like these flash sales like put a, a track up for sale for a, a day for like five bucks or something like that where they could draw people to getting content um on times i know they do the sales for like the memberships that but the content never really gets the sales this is the first time i've seen them go down to like a low price like that for for stuff but 
maybe that's how they're going to have to create some more cash flow is some of the older stuff now that they're archiving some of it, put it at a lower cost just to have it, right, instead of free. But yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Remember, they recently remember we talked about the fact that they announced that they were going to stop making all the legacy cars free because um, it's just getting there's just too much invested in it to keep turning all that into free content. So that what we now have is a new tier price for basically dated cars. I love the fact that we're getting these five tracks that I don't currently own, and I'm going to own them. You know, and I'm a six-year member, and I'm going to have five tracks, you know, come season uh, when the release comes out. I love that. And some of those will probably get run in your, your, uh, uh, what is that, you run the sprint car? Some of those probably get run there, yeah? Exactly. I've had to actually skip some sprint car races uh, at these tracks that are listed because I don't own them, and I didn't want to buy them. And uh, so I think it's a great value for not just the new people, that are coming in but think of the new racers and all the free content they get when they sign up this is adding a huge uh, chunk of that to the list and really provides them even better value there are also leagues that live on just the free content well if you add these tracks in there that helps like what was it the reddit league that used to do that for you david that they yeah. used to do random cars and random track or not random car but they did a whole bunch of different tracks and car they, combinations they, they still do i haven't got i haven't run as many reddits because i've been doing the majors this year but yeah they still do they even have a a race where they do the wheel of uh destiny where they the, the tracks not even announced until 30 minutes before the race i just think that the more that they can like i i, I like that they're at a reduced cost now like they have so much archived and i don't know how much is used from that archive besides like in hosted obviously there's no official things that are archived except what the uh do they use the legends car still in an official race the old legends um yeah indy car or not indy car f1 car and then um, the uh the i know they obviously use the carburetor cup the old uh, thing or the older cup cars but there's like the odd stuff that just doesn't have anything racing for it so it's all hosted you got to hope for all that stuff to be used in right yeah or leagues yeah but what does really excite me about this is they have basically now declared the Corvette DP a uh, an, obs- an obsolete car. So you know what that means? Hopefully, I'm praying, fingers crossed, it, go, it leads us right into the next item. Um, Iris has dropped a picture. Who's, Who's ready? ready? Uh, they're dropping the LMP2 and they have a nice pretty picture of it and i really hope because both the the corvette and the hpd are being placed in what we'll call the the not legacy they'll come up with some fancy word but something in the middle i'm really hoping they're going to put that in imza all signs are pointing to that right it makes sense as long as long as imza won't say "Uh uh-uh because it's not really a dpi uh they need to revamp that whole series with some of the cars anyways, right? Well, when it originally, you know, that, that C6 or C7 is an old car. Um, and for a long time, the GTE class wasn't around. So it was just the GT3s and, and the DPs. And I don't remember if there was a third class or not before the GTEs came around. But when the GTEs came out, they're just too close to the old Corvette. Um that it causes a lot of problems if you when you end up with a with so so empty of a C7 field, 
uh, we've said it before, they you just have drivers who are slow in the corners, slower than the corners than the GTEs, and the only, but they stay right with them because of the horsepower and 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 uh, straight line speed, and it just ends up it ends up being a nightmare and a wreck basically. Because they would run, uh, what do they call the class? Is it what's the classification at the Daytona, like the Rolex with the uh, top class? Because um, the, they the were the Corvette or the the Cadillacs. There's four real life classes now. There's the DPI, and then they actually have an LMP2 class or Daytona 2 class, I think. Um, and then they have the GT Le Mans and the GT Daytona. GT Le Mans is the GTE. GT Daytona is the GT3. And then what we have in in iRacing IMSA is the the Daytona prototype, which is an LMP2, um, and then the GTE and the GTD or GT3. Okay, I, do these have <laughs> LED lights somewhere on them? Because I was uh, I saw some posts where they were talking about painting this car, and there was a a thing in when you do the paint, you can set the LED color. Yeah, if it's if it's done just like the LMP ones. Um, it's uh, actually in there with the headlights. There's a kind of a vertical bar that lights up, and you can choose the color in the setup page, actually. I'm hoping that they could do it where it's not in the setup page, but it doesn't matter, I guess. It's just a quick tab, right? Yeah, it's kind of like having to do the setup or change between metric whether you know in your setup i like to make the car and that and the units match so that when i'm making adjustments the the numbers don't look all weird uh but yeah you have to do it in the setup that's a really nice looking car i'm, I'm looking forward to this car going on the track it'll be interesting to have a a car with high downforce and not have to worry about regen like the regen stuff yeah i'm not a fan of all the battery management all that All right, let's talk podcast housekeeping notes. Uh, Don't forget to check out the aftermath. Uh, Tony, Tony, (laughs) and Chris uh, getting it done over there. Uh, This time uh, uh, feeding one of the Tonys uh, some kind of nasty candy. I don't know, but it was pretty entertaining. Check that out. Uh, Don't forget the show notes. There's a link in the description of the podcast where you can get everything we're talking about, visuals, links, more information. And don't forget to send us your story ideas to iRacersLounge at gmail.com. And we are on the Performance Motorsports Network. Go listen to us over there. They have a lot of good racing uh, 24 hours a day over there. So check that out. And then, Tony, let's talk fantasy. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Oh, yes. Fantasy. Um... I don't know about anyone else, but <laughs> mine was a bit of a shit show this week. Um, I and we're all in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, not me. <laughs> I I took some big hits this week. Um, but I was kind of... My, my way of thinking going into, into this week was to treat it kind of like a, a bit like uh, a plate track. Um, not totally, but that was kind of my way of thinking. And I got Kyle Bushed this week. And thankfully this time here, it wasn't his fault for just sucking. He actually blew brakes, and it is what it is. But uh, now the race itself was pretty lackluster. Um, it was kind of boring pretty much the whole way through. Even, like, the last little bit wasn't all that exciting. But um, 
there was certainly some excitement happening in in the fantasy stuff and once again i spent i think i spent this week more time watching the standings than i did actually watching the race but uh boy oh boy uh we only got a few left now and uh my my lead is is shrinking but uh you know i i guess i'm still i'm just under about a 100 point lead and we got a double header this weekend coming up um i know i'm running out of my top guys I'm, i'll probably burn them all out this weekend and uh you know rely on uh my ricky stenhouses for the last race of the year but uh quick rundown of the top 10 um one racing myself still barely holding on to first place just in time he's uh He's creeping back up there. He's in second place. Res Dog is third. Smiling Ninja is uh, making her way up the the ladder here. She's in fourth place. GI Jojo's in fifth. Laird Racing in sixth. KBM is in seventh. Jedi McFly, Mr. Chris Scales, is dropping like a rock. And I really wish we made a bet like we did a couple years ago because um, I can get pretty creative with those uh, paint schemes. So little uh, quick back history here a couple years ago we made a bet um we were about i think 10 races out or six races out or something like that and chris had a major uh lead on me and he's ahead of me by about 400 points and i was able to it basically came down to the last race of the regular season uh we had about a 20 point difference we laid the bet down that whoever whoever wins the season uh, has to run the other person's paint, and we were both running the bottom split of America broadcast races at that time. So he got a very pretty pink. Uh, oh yeah, carved with uh, my mug, uh, wearing a set of bunny ears right on the front of the hood. It was awesome. It was that was so much fun. We didn't Classic. do that this year, but I uh, kind of wish we did because oh, I, I could have got something good on him again. Um, Ninth place, uh, Kerry Seal and Team 207 uh, rounds out our top 10. Um, Greg, you're making your way up there. It's uh, too bad you're a bit of a late start. You would have been a contender for sure. And I still have my, th- I still have the three, for the three races, all my drivers, I have over three picks left. I'm pretty happy about it. You're going to overtake Tony the Tiger, it looks like. Like I was twenty, I think it was twenty ninth when I first started. When I started, and we only gained a couple more people after that that came in. But I've made my way through the field a bit. Hopefully, I can. I don't. Do you know how the playoffs start, stuff works, Tony? Um, yes, but uh, I don't want to say too much this week. Now, next week I'll do. Um, I'll do a full rundown of how the playoff stuff works, but um, everything it kind of gets reset for the playoffs. So this league, like this fantasy stuff here is all about the regular season. We'll continue with the playoffs, but I'll give a full rundown for anybody that, uh, you know, doesn't know, doesn't want to open up the app or whatever. I'll chat about it next week. And uh, it does, everything works, you know, just a bit differently um, for the playoffs, but it's, it's still, uh, still pretty fun. Okay, well, let's jump over to hardware software. Greg, we got some pedals from Spain. 
Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. And who wants some laser-cut aluminum pedals from Spain? So we make our way to the website www.dcsimracing.com and it brings up brings you to a page of just a I don't, they kind of remind me of the way they look. It's kind of like robotic looking uh, pedals. They're they're very simple. They're all all aluminum, obviously, and they're they look like they're well made. Um, yeah, self contained. Yep, they're there's different types of different. You know, they got different colors. They got different like for the wiring and the springs can be different colors and stuff. But um, very nice uh, design if uh, you're looking for. a uh, any pedals um, I guess if you're in the European area it would be the easier way to probably get these because probably shipping them over would be pretty expensive but um, make your way to dcsimracing.com and uh, look these up now correct me if I'm wrong but these I'm, I'm seeing a, a plate that you can mount these to now from what I've noticed that that's not you don't generally have that option with a lot of the other pedal sets correct not as much nowadays it seems like the you know like logitech fanatech their their ones um come with plates but you know you can buy the you can buy the pedals separately or you can have this plate that's looks like it's i think it's designed for probably an 80 20 setup to maybe mount it into just it's got a rail on the side that's got uh, adjustability through the whole thing to put uh, bolts through and then obviously side to side adjustment on the plate for um, your uh, pedals. Well, I think that's a nice, nice option to have. I mean, a lot of people would like to invert their pedals and stuff where you don't need that base, but when you just got a, you know, just normal rig and you want to floor mount everything. Um, yeah. Having a, having a base plate, you know, could be nice. Something, uh, you know, nice to rest your heels on. The thing is, is I don't see a way to buy these. Uh, uh, there's a way to contact them, but you can't just like buy them and have them shipped. It doesn't look like. Now, if you click through on the menu in the upper left, they do have an Instagram and Twitter and have more good pictures on the Instagram. They have the one picture where they show uh, several dozen pedals all lined up, uh, like in production, so to speak. But boy, they do look nice. So, they, But if you look here, Mike, they do have pricing for it. It just doesn't it doesn't do anything. It just goes to an image. Right. So, so they have their, they call it a pedal, uh, pedal board DC three, which is all three of your pedals. Uh, it's 459 80. Is that euros? Um, or is that, that maybe a different uh, currency there? Um, if you want just the brake and gas, uh, brake and gas pedal, um, 250. Uh, oh, I see. You have to hover over the picture. Yeah, you hover over the picture and it gives you the price, and then you can just get the clutch for 110. And it looks like that's that euros, 350 that, euros for the pedal board. Like they're not, that's not a bad price. They don't seem like bad price for what they are. And the, that plate that uh, it's a four millimeter thick plate is sixty dollars and fifty cents, or sixty fifty euro. Yeah, um, four hundred fifty nine euros goes comes to uh, five hundred forty five dollars US. So, so like it's similar to the V3 Canadian. price? That's like 10 grand Canadian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of euros, we have something else that goes for about 310 euros. It's a SIM dash. They make digital dashboards that you can mount onto SimCube and Fanatec wheelbases. Uh, 
uh, Brian, you can probably look up that conversion for me while we're while I'm talking about it. Uh, they got a nice Facebook site, um, and it's one of those classic sim dashes that you can stick right up on the wheel, and it gives you a lot of extra information if you don't have it on your wheel. It's uh, great for all you non-VR users out there. Yeah, it comes to uh, $368 US, and uh, I actually uh, had to... Uh, contact them through uh, Facebook to get a price because I didn't see one on their Facebook page. So uh, they got back to me pretty quick. Um, it's a nice looking unit. It's got a, um, it's very colorful. You know, uh, it shows, uh, it shows you shifting with uh, your gears and all kinds of other uh, information that looks like it's really helpful. Yeah. The LEDs that you're, you know, colorful LEDs in addition to the display, you know, it, it's kind of a twofold. Yeah, and I'm curious what the extra LEDs out on the out on the right left work for. They could be spotlights. Well, scroll they down on the Facebook flags. page, and you'll yeah. see some of those lights lit up. Turn signals. <laughs> We're American. We don't use those. I was going to say, David, you probably could have used that. One guy could have used that in the race the other day when he was trying to get to pit road, eh? Oh, no kidding. It's almost like it's an... I don't understand what the color why there are different colors on the sides that they, they it just doesn't make sense for what the way that they use the color system for it but um yeah i don't in the video there it looks like it's uh it, do you see the one video there david i don't understand what it's doing in the thing it's almost like if it's it, it, when you lose the one, if, if you're talking about the one where it's flashing that's the pit limiter probably okay it's it's weird the way it's 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 got different colors on the side LEDs too, so I it don't would, know. It's got to be, be cool if it was like the visual spotter thing. Yeah, it would. It looks like it's just lighting up on the shift point. It looks like it's really good attached to a direct drive base and everything. The way it looks, it, I, I I just seem for the way I sit, I think it would if it was something I would attach to mine, it'd be too low. It it it'd be be behind my rim. I don't know if I'd be able to see it. So on Facebook, search sim-dot-pt. It's good that they got back to you right away there too, Brian. It's good when they when they can get you an answer like that. Yeah, it was almost instantaneous. They were really quick. I asked them some pricing. Now on my wheel, I have an old iPhone seven in a mobile phone holder that's basically bungee cord strapped to the top of my DD one, and kind of sits in the same position that this thing does. And it provides a good display, but it doesn't have the shift lights, obviously. But uh, a little bit more ghetto. I'm assuming you probably need a third-party software um, for all the information, all the telemetry that's on this. Um, eh, most of that comes right out of the appy. Um, I think some of that stuff that's lighting up on the on the left and right might actually be traction control, or, or even I'm a guessing, slide. Does this does this screen would be end up? it would maybe detect it as another monitor. So that's why maybe this, it could be, it's probably transmitted to this uh, with a program that comes with the, the unit. It's got a USB cord that, uh, that you just plug into the computer, it looks like. Uh, oh, it says it can be customized with SimHub software. Yeah, that's the program we were looking at last week that I use um, for my uh, base shakers. but. Um, 
and I looked at um if you remember last week we did a Simnetics uh review with the the had a similar display with the blowers on the side. I was looking at that and it's the same thing. They 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 recommend using like a, a product like SimHub too. Speaking right. of last week, did you get to check out that overlay option with the with that partic- that one uh, overlay option uh software we looked at? No, no, I haven't haven't had a chance to do that yet, but uh it's definitely on my list of things to do. Is that my cue for my transition? <laughs> yes, but everybody that's listening to the edit won't even know that it, it took you like a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it took me so long to because I'm trying to figure out how the heck I can say this website without totally biffing it, but I'm going to go with Scudera, ITR. Uh, it's an Italian company. Go to our show notes. And... <laughs> Yeah, so they have uh, wheels and dashboards for most major brands of wheelbases. Um, let's just get the website right out of the way here. It's uh, scuderiaitr.it. And I ain't going with the rest of it because nobody will understand That's me. enough. It'll, they'll find it with that. And it's it's, it's uh, a lot of the like the dis, the the dashes and stuff were very similar to the last one that we uh, you guys were talking about. Um, these guys got a lot, a lot of different uh, a few different wheels, uh, GT wheels, uh, a couple of F one wheels. Um, I, I like I really- the F one wheel with the screen on it. Uh, I mean, it looks really high end. Yeah, the um, their website takes quite a bit to uh, load up, but uh, yeah, now this one kind of seems to be a little different. Now this is it's very overwhelming for a simpleton like myself with all the dials and stuff that are on it. Um, but the uh, the display part uh, is is very different. It almost looks like it's. Um, like a phone clamped onto the wheel. It's not, it's an actual display, um, but it's not kind of built into the wheel. It's, it sits um, like on top of the wheel. Same, same with the, uh, the, the hand grips and then everything else looks like it's to be uh, carbon fiber. So pricing, I see for the Ferrari replica, 599 Euro, uh, Red Bull replica, 599. Uh, got an oval style uh 499 that's um 700 us for 599 reading some of this it's kind of crazy that it's actually you know this obviously doesn't matter with us but um anyone that runs ps4 or xbox one it's compatible with two right yeah so i was describing that that last wheel with it looking like a, a phone attached to the wheel. If you go to the Predator, Predator X steering wheel, this is one that um, they built. I think it's just a prototype, but they built it for a real single seater. Um, and it actually has an actual phone mounted to the steering huh. wheel. I see that. <laughs> yeah, it does. And there's no yep. buttons. 180 euros for that one. Oh, so that's not just a prototype. That's weird. Yeah, it's on the, the sale page, yep. Yeah, that's literally just a wheel and a phone, so I don't know if it even has pedals. Pretty cool. I think this is the first time we've seen this company, but I think they're out of Italy, and uh, 
the wheels uh, should be considered. I, I think the way the buttons look and everything, they, they look like really high-end wheels. I mean, as far as the style, it doesn't look like a fan attack. It looks better than that. Now, Mike, I think you should do the next one instead of Brian, because you asked how to hire, hide your wiring. <laughs> yeah, we got T-slot covers for eight, from 8020.net. Yeah, um, so uh, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago that I ordered some T-slot covers from my 8020 rig. My rig sits in an unfinished basement, which um, has a tendency to collect a lot of dust, especially on the T-slots that are facing uh, upwards towards the ceiling. And I just get so much dust and stuff collected in there. It was disgusting. So um, I went to 8020.net. Um, and uh, under the, if you go under the T-slot uh, covers, they have a, a variety of different sizes for different series. Um, mine was a series 15, so I got a set of uh, series 15 T-slot covers. They're they're plastic, uh, and they 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 fit perfectly into their uh, slots. And uh, I uh, the the shipping was kind of high because it comes in a you know like a six and a half foot cardboard tube and i guess it's not cost effective for them to you know, to ship real cheaply so um, i wound up buying a more than i might have would ordinarily if the shipping wasn't so high that way i wasn't paying more for the ship than i was for the actual product itself but yeah they snap right in perfect and uh, i had been hiding my wires by running them through the channels and just uh using some like a tape or something like that to to keep them tucked in but uh, i found out with this thing man you can run the wires right in the channel snap this right over top of it and it completely hides hides the wires man it works perfectly they come in uh three different colors they come in uh black silver and yellow uh so uh yeah i would definitely recommend them for what i've used them for so far it, it works out really nice i posted some pictures of my rig where i snapped them on and you can see how they they just cover right over top of that that hole and uh, the dust is not going to be an issue like that anymore and they look really good and sharp and like you said no wires and it seems like it's the new must-have if you have an 80-20 rig very cool yeah, yeah, it kind of finishes off of it quite a bit. It looks, it looks really good. And what's the overall cost you spent to kind of get that project done? Um, they ran about just under four dollars for a six-foot strip. I wound up getting twelve of them, um, and then I uh, and the shipping was uh, about uh, eighteen dollars. So uh, I think I was all in around fifty to sixty dollars for the whole thing. Not bad. All right, let's jump to uh, Sim Experience G Belt, the alpha testing complete. We have an update from Bernie Villers, uh, who's with Sim Experience. Uh, he, he was asked on the forums about an update on the G Belt. He said the public beta test has been very successful. We've been trying to navigate the COVID, COVID impacted supply chain for the last two months or so. I hope to have another update soon, but at this point, it looks like a late August, early September production release. Okay, um, and I, my wife is not around, so I've been looking at this thing for quite a while, and I keep refreshing the pages uh, every couple of days just to see if this thing is uh, has been, become available. But uh, I've been looking for this ever since you guys first started talking about it a few months ago, and I can't wait to see this thing uh, in action and see what the price comes in at. Wow, it's a seat uh, belt tensioning system uh, that you can install, you know, on your rig to, with seat belts, obviously, and uh, 
I, I believe their sim vibe software will run it. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping the sim hub does too, the one that I'm already using. That way I don't have to pay for that program. Right. I don't see why it wouldn't. You're going to combine those with a G seat? Someone's got to get a G seat on this team. They should send me one. Waiting for David to buy one. I don't know. I was just looking at some of the motion rigs and thinking I already have really nice a really nice seat. So it's tough. It's tough to decide, and I've just it's tempting either way. Y'all are really good at spending my money. <laughs> Do you remember, uh, Brian? How much this is going to go for? I forget. I want to say fifteen hundred. If Brian, yeah, I haven't seen any pricing. Don't uh, don't don't listen to the price. <laughs> right, yeah, I haven't seen any pricing for it yet anywhere that was uh, definitive. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I I would probably I have a um, I don't have a G uh, a G belt or a G seat, um, so I'd have to buy the universal seat mount, and that, I think that would work for me. I don't know if I'll ever really decide unless I get a chance to try both out. That's the one problem about some of this stuff is you can't trust any of it out. You just go and buy videos, and that's pretty much everything you can do, right? Unless you go to one of these conventions that probably won't exist for the next couple of years. If there ever is one, I'm, I want to make spend the money and take the time and do it. To, you know, why not? Well, under the next one here, um, they've. They've titled this uh, Take Control and Drive Like a Champion. So this PlaySeat F1 Ultimate Edition, this uh, Silverstone Silver. Uh, I don't know about PlaySeat. Uh, they seem to keep getting more and more expensive the more brands they keep throwing at it. I mean, it's a nice-looking seat. It's F1 style, tubular. Um, obviously, it looks like it's designed to try and hold. Uh, they're trying to hold the uh, direct driver wheels now. Um but uh, what were they showing here on the site for the, pr or the price for it? This is definitely a Formula One style. I mean, his toes are at the same level as his eyeballs. I mean, he's laying yeah. down on this thing. And they're, they're calling this almost $2,800. It's a $2,800 rig. Ridiculous. For a tubular stationary rig? And it's got trailer legs. <laughs> right, Pretty yeah. There is one positive in that that it doesn't have the post in the in the middle of the feet. That like the, is an the, issue with some of the older models. Yeah, I don't think any of their F1 ones ever had the post in the center, but now this one, like it, it looks like they're trying to go for the, the obviously the eighty twenty mount type outside mounts, but it's obviously a tubular frame. Um, once again, the very non padded. Um, See, I think Tony, you said that doesn't really matter when it's and when you're sitting like that. Not, not in my experience, no. It's I mean, super it's not, thin. Like, how is there even padding on it? I mean, this is it's a nice looking rig. Like anybody would, you know, it's it's a if you walked into someone's room and you had this rig in here, you know, someone would t they would definitely talk about it. But I don't understand the price tag. It just seems way out of uh, way out of the uh, where it should be. Well, just, I mean, it's only Instagram, right? So maybe if we had a little bit more where we could kind of look at it from all sides and really kind of have a good inspection of it, um, might make a little bit of sense. They've, they're, um, they probably got the seat with it, but I mean, like, you know, this is like six, $700 nice. It, 
That might be overpriced at six or seven hundred dollars. You're right. And the first thing that I don't like about this is the trailer legs. That just looks it looks cheap and unfinished. Like they're they could have run the, the tube all the way down. Um I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I'm not I'm not digging it at all. It just it does not it just looks cheap to me. But like I said, I can't see it from other angles and anything like that so, so the trailer leg thing you're talking about for our audio listeners it's basically it looks like an afterthought that they decided oh well the way we design these things with the pedals up in the air they the thing will tip over if we don't have a support underneath it so they just bolted on these black trailer legs underneath the pedal area just to kind of prop them up does that make it motion if you didn't have that <laughs> yeah, forward and it falls forward poor man motion so if you look at like the their base rig here i was looking at their seats like something like that i have that it goes for 389 dollars for their play seat revolution i'm on their website here um now this is 2800 dollars. i wonder how much they have to pay f1 of that 2800 dollars just to call it an f1 ultimate edition well they have a play seat f1 it's there's so where you got those images from so if you go to their site all their f1 stuff is over a thousand dollars no matter what you can get right, them so in. like they're getting you know 1200 right off the top to f1 probably like they have a red bull edition for 1350 uh there's another you can get that actual same that same silverstone rig in a red bull is twenty eight hundred dollars you can get it in just a black edition. There's all kinds of different editions of that same seat. Guys, is, is this made for VR? Because where would you put monitors on this thing? There's nowhere to put a you'd, monitor. You'd probably have to buy a separate stand. You'd be This would be where you're buying a, a monitor stand. Yeah, so I'm looking at a little bit more close-up picture now that I, I went to the site as well, Greg. And my mind is still not changed. This thing, like, it looks cheap. Like that, that's all I got. You want cheap? Go into the accessory parts and go look up their uh, their triple monitor stands for <laughs> four hundred and fifty bucks. They're just legs and bars. Like I don't think they look that sturdy. That really sounds like a good club name, legs and bars. <laughs> but for four hundred fifty, I, I don't. We're not trashing on play seat here. I mean, obviously they, you know. They'll think you can charge whatever you want as long as someone buys it, right? Um, it just seems like it's overpriced because of the F1 name attached to it. No, it's it's a commentary. It's it's what we do. Like this is our just our opinions, right? But yeah, like and we we look at, you know, we we've covered hundreds of 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 these. Not so much of the uh, F1 style, but you know, we we've seen lots of the F1 styles and we've seen a lot of really good ones and. Like I said, this one could be a really good one at, you know, we'll say between the five and seven hundred dollar uh, price point. But, you know, if you're going to start charging, you know, low end motion uh, prices for this stuff, you better bring something more to the game than a set of trailer legs and a fancy seat. Like, come on. They they, they specialize in a lot of things. They even have these weird, they're called Puma seat, gaming seats um, that are almost three or two hundred and seventy one dollars for Kind of looks like you're riding a horse. Like, there's a lot of different options on this site. Yeah. Now, see, you want to talk a chair for two, three hundred bucks? Sure. Like, that's that's about the going rate. Um, and those seats are are kind of neat. Um, definitely uh, unique. But uh, 
Yeah, back of the drawing board on that F1. Man, oh, man. Yes. I don't know, but uh, nice products they got uh, going here. Just might be in the wrong price bracket. Okay. Uh, next up, a uh, quick tip about the software uh, crew chief. Um, I was on a Facebook post with uh, where they were discussing it, and uh, I voiced the opinion, man, why, why do I have to push start every time I run it before I have to race? Like, you know, every time I come in, I just want to fire everything up and get in the race and go. But with that particular piece of software, you have to stop for a second and go hit the start button and then proceed. And uh, somebody actually actually answered the, my question and said, hey, they do have that setting. You have to go find it. And uh, apparently if you go to properties and then go to category filter and click on UI, there is a startup and paths is what it's called. And there's something called run immediately. And I would have never found it because uh, the crew chief thing has like a million settings. What? Mine already did, did this, but I'm guessing because I had tied it into, um, uh, what is that, iRacing Manager, that thing where you can click in and it turns all the programs on. Yeah, but the iRacing I, Assistant, iRacer Assistant. Yeah, once I got rid of I, I don't use that anymore, but mine still automatically, as soon as I click the True Chief, it turns on. So maybe, obviously, maybe that program had turned, you know, put that setting on for me. Yeah, I'm still using iRacer Assistant every time. It's really the easiest way to start everything up. All right, and with that, we're going to go into a results. But first, we're going to talk about the Ucora 2020 Throwback Indie Series Hole Award, sponsored by the iRacers Lounge podcast. Uh, the Ucora Association headed out west to the Legacy Phoenix International Raceway for round 14 last Thursday and saw the debut of the iRacers Lounge Pole Award. Justin Kirby edged out Dave Lodi by a razor thin one thousandths of a second to claim the first iRacers Lounge Pole Award. Congratulations, Justin Kirby. Uh, 22 uh, cars took the green flag uh, <clears throat> for an exciting race as usual and, and packed plenty of action into 200 laps. Checkered flag saw Jason Galvin finally breaking through for his first Ucora victory, and the two drivers in a heated championship battle, Brian Beard and Paul Jenkins, finished second and third respectively. Series heads back across the county country for round 15 at the Legacy Pocono Raceway on September 3rd. And uh, David, how'd you run? I ended up 14th. I was running around 9th, 10th, and uh, you know, I was really trying to take it easy and be safe. It's that it's a different monster than a stock car, uh, and we got to racing hard with about 50 laps to go. Out of after finishing 150, and I just put it on the apron and spun, killed the car. Yeah, I didn't run because they had a rule you couldn't run on the first day you joined the league. So I was spotting David, kind of just watching. Uh, Tom Dryling ran with us as well, but he uh, spun early by himself and uh, went laps down. I think. It was fun though. It's a nice, well-run league. Uh, they the cautions were legitimate, real cautions. You know, tight racing for the most part, or clipping that apron. If you just touch it, you you went around. And being used to a stock car, that you know, I'm used to being a lot closer to the left tire, so I just would instinctively go too low. 
but they, they had a live admin that would check every caution and go ahead and call out who was to blame and a two-strike rule, and it uh, there was no shenanigans. I, I really actually enjoyed it. Yeah, a couple of people had to park and leave because of that rule, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, that'll keep you straight. All right, let's jump into NIS and finish up Daytona Road. Uh, David, you got P19. Yeah, just slow. Not your favorite track, even though you're the road guy. You love it there. I love that there in a Ferrari. Yes. I'm the only one that loves these stock cars on the road. Yeah, and you proved it Friday night, Greg, with a P5. Yeah, P5. David, was that top? Spl- I can't remember if that was top split or not. But anyways, on Friday, I don't. I, don't, I think. I think I want to say Fridays was second split, just the way it had unfolded. But. Uh, Anyways, it was, I don't even remember. It was, I think it was just an uneventful race. Most of my races last week were uneventful because there's no cautions. There's just nothing. Oh, that's, I remember now. That's the one I started P20, uh, P22 and I, and I drove up to fifth. Not bad. Good run. You definitely gained some I-rating last week, right? Yeah, I went from 26.05 to, I think it was that yesterday before I got wrecked out of my race, 32.70 or something like that. Okay, Tom Dryling ran. He got P19s, had started 30th, got spun on lap one, lost a lot of time, lots of things to work on, he said. Tony Rochette, P curbed, he said, ran over the new chicane, yellow curb, got loose and walled it, called it a night. Sunday Open, David, P12. Yeah, I literally wasn't even planning on running this race. You know, I was kind of so fed up with the track. Uh, I was going to run the Road, Road America Endurance Le Mans series, but my partner had the wife kind of had his wife kind of demand he get something else done, so he had to bail. So I, with about a 10 minutes notice, I hopped in. Uh, ran a little bit cleaner on this one, and that was just how fast I was. You know, not terribly fast, but I guess not terribly slow. Well, it sounded like, Brian, you were worse off of that. Yeah, I got a PU, which means I stunk. Um, the Daytona road course does not suit my driving well. So I actually wound up spinning twice at the same place, turn six. Um, I think I'm just a little too quick to get on the to get on the throttle coming out of six and i just looped it around and after the second time i was like man i'm just not ready to do this race and so i kind of loaded up the trailer tucked my tail between my legs and headed and headed home at that point so uh, i'm looking forward to doing more ovals for sure i'm pretty sure all the oval guys did just what you described tom dryling got a p13 (laughs) he started on the last row spun five times brain farts was able to claw back to 13th right behind David. And then, Greg, this was top split P3. Yeah, I started, uh, I think, third or fourth in this race. I actually got a qualifying lap in. That was my biggest problem with NIS last week because I never qualified and I got one in finally. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, after I came, I, I was behind the guy in second place for first half of the race before the pit stop and he had built up like a five second lead on me and i just we were staying at five seconds the whole time for a while and then i pitted a lap sooner and i was able to leap past him um and then he finally got past me in the run a bit because of his tires and um i was basically on his back bumper coming out of those uh those last corner uh, the last corner there through the uh 
this, this, this the new chicane uh, right on his bumper and uh, I gassed it up and uh, just spun the tires and just couldn't get him coming to the line but I tried everything to try and get him on the last lap there and didn't want to wreck him or get into him or anything because we raced clean the whole time but uh, yeah it was a uh, it was a good race that was one, one of the more memorable Daytona road ones I had I think that's the most of us we've had in a top split ever yeah also um, Matt is the points leader in division two Matt for Kappa yes yeah, he was the one that finished right in front of me, yeah. All right, and that wraps Daytona Road, and we're back to real racing. I mean, back to Dover. Okay, so let's talk Dover. Wednesday open, David wrecked out on a late restart. Yeah, it was nice to be fast. I was running top five most of the race. Um, we were in a late restart, going right into turn one. The guy just wasn't clear, but it was so close. When you go look at the replay, I wouldn't be surprised if his spotter uh, especially the iRacing spotter that isn't perfect told him clear because it was, I mean, it was right on the edge. So call it a racing deal. Uh, the guy said himself, yeah, I wasn't clear. And I said, thank you. And we'll move on. And then Greg, you got wrecked out big time. Eh, I'm going to call it my fault on that. It was my fault. I was in that wreck that I got wrecked at. And I, for some reason I was having a problem last night. I drifted towards the wall on the straightaway and I don't know why I was doing it maybe I was just tired but it was my fault and uh, apparently I was being called out about it after I left but uh, yeah we'll leave it and uh, go on I'm not going to lose any sleep over it it was always next or tomorrow night's race you're not the only person to hit the wall on the straightaway at Dover I, I've done that before I, there's a there's a tendency to do that I don't know exactly how but I've done it it's still a little weird with the way this, these cars handled. I, I got into a guy not because I hit the wall, but because I overcorrected to try not to hit the wall and came back down on when I was just trying to let him by. Uh, so it's uh, it's hard to get that wheel right lined up to go straight down that straightaway. Well, I think some of these sets that we're using have a dead spot in them. It's not the sets, it's the tire model. And it happens in every, it's even worse in the LMP. There's like this, there's a slack in the middle of the, the wheel. Now that if you look away for a second because that LMP is so fast and it, you, you, you're suddenly on the other side of the road. Okay, I ran, I got P17. I was junk on old tires. I swear I would get, I'd run really good to lap tw 26 laps into a run and at lap 27, the tires like, it just like falling off of a building. It, I mean, just complete fall off all at once. It was crazy. But I was just junk on old tires and just getting passed on any run that was over 26 laps. Um, at one point, when I pitted under green, I believe it was, uh, I knew I had to pit because I could tell the tire was going out. And sure enough, the percentages across the right front were zero, zero and 37%. Um, and so I think I'm getting better at understanding when the tire's about to go and to understand the pit before that happens. I think I'm finding that mark finally. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing. Tom Dryling, he got a P4. Uh, he tried out qualifying for the first time in a long time. I actually talked him into it. I, I kind of goaded him into it. I'm like, come on, you got it. Come on, it's, it's over, you know, and he did. And so he started eighth, uh, worked his way up to second on the first couple runs, did not take tires after a 22 lap run. That turned out to be a mistake and fell back. 
He did work his way back to a top five by the end of the race. Uh, looking forward to Friday. Uh, Stephen uh, Lou Allen ran in our split as well, and he had problems with audio in TeamSpeak. He couldn't hear us, and then he like rebooted or something, and then he lost some laps, and I don't know what all happened, but he had a bad race. Uh, okay, and then today, Thursday open, I got P17 once again, so two 17s in a row, but this time top split. And I mean top split. Garrett Maines is in there with 8,900 eye reading. And Michael Guest, uh, the Coke driver. And lots of other uh, heavy hitters, Michael Jeans and so forth. And, um, but I got caught up in a few incidents and had damage. Uh, one was a, a net code, actually, with Marcelo. Uh, and initially, I, you know, hey, it's Marcelo. He probably ran into me. But I went and looked at the replay real quick and... Uh, we were two foot two foot apart coming up off to turn two on the backstretch, at least 24 inches away from each other, and it net coated me uh, down and down into the inside, and I spun out. Didn't have too much damage, uh, and was able to just kind of persevere on and uh, finish on the lead lap, P17. Let's switch to official racing, uh, sprint car at IRP was quite a match i think as far as the car and the track i think those are really good matchup and uh i was hoping to run pretty good there i got a p11 i think out of 16. um but boy those guys are quick and i still can't really compete with the fast guys but i do have a lot of fun with that uh particular race on tuesday nights at 9 p.m eastern we meet up uh where a, there's a I, you know, I think there were two splits even so uh, NASCAR Legends was at uh, Pocono, and I got P5 the first run and P5 the second run. And that was better than I thought I would run at Pocono, but uh, real happy to, to get a nice finish there. I think I'm going to probably run that again uh, this week uh, because I haven't finished worse than fifth. I might as well farm, right? You're going to sneak into that Legends race tonight as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to get into that uh, with the Yukora. And uh, let's talk, talk Greg, your uh, league race, ISCA, P2. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was probably one of the more boring races of the week. I think the commentary uh, crew for that race, they were asleep, you know, falling asleep watching that race. It was just as soon as the cars got, everybody ran their lap times that they qualified on. And it basically, that's where you started your finish, basically, if you didn't screw up. And that's kind of how it went. All right, then let's jump into final thoughts. Brian McCubbin, what do you got? Yeah, I want to uh, thank Chase Rodman for joining us uh, today. He was a really good uh, guest to have on. Um, gave us a lot of uh, information. And um, I'm not be I'm not doing any racing this week. I'm actually uh, broadcasting to you from a campground. Uh, I brought my laptop with me and uh, hotspot, and uh, I'm actually. Uh, in a camper right now talking to you guys and uh i'll come back home sunday and uh get back into racing this is kind of trip we planned uh, at the end of the summer before school starts um and it's been a long summer i had a lot going on so i think uh i think once uh this trip's over i'll be uh, able to dive back into i racing more than i had been and i'm looking forward to doing that heck i would have never known you were in a camper uh, you have good cell signal yeah, it's the same hotspot I used to race with, so yeah, it's, it works pretty good. You're definitely doing better than Ryan Blaney. 
Yeah, exactly. Okay, David Hall, final thoughts. I'm really excited to hope that that LMP2 gets put in IMSA. I hope they really heard that and are going to do it. Um, so the, the, that with that one change, maybe it'll happen. Are they ever going to fix your cautions? Uh, you know, you mentioned that one of it was it Greg? You found a thread about that, right? That they actually have are looking into it. Yeah, there's two threads that are open right now for it that I saw. Okay, let's hope that gets fixed. Uh, Gregory Hectus, final thoughts. Hopefully, this comes through. My headset's going in and out. Um, the uh, I'm just looking forward to my uh, league race tonight and uh, um, this week at Dover, trying to get it. I've got I feel like the set's not too bad this week. We got some work to do on it, but uh, we'll. Uh, We'll get her done. If you want to come watch me uh, race, uh, go to uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus, frozen with two O's, cactus with two K's, and uh, yeah, see me on the track. Okay, very good. Tony Groves, final thoughts. Well, uh, Brian's camping. I was at the trailer today as well, which is why I was late, just trying to uh, finish up some uh, last little bits of the trailer project, which is now for the most part done it's not going to require uh days of out there slugging away in the heat um which is great because now i'll have some time to start on my sim room um which will be uh hopefully next week i'll be i'll be buying the um the video card for my uh my wife's rig and then start uh acquiring whatever materials I need to to get this build going and um, I believe the the room is going to be starting here within the next uh, week or so as well so hopefully uh, I can kind of work on all all parts little bits here and there and kind of have it all come together uh, have everything ready to rock and roll right at the right at the very end when the room is um, completed uh, one sorry Mike one one more quick thing there you were uh, Talking about the aftermath with uh, some some gross candies. Now, can't really say that they were gross, maybe to one, uh, but that was all stuff from Canada. A little package I sent down to the boys there um, to give them a, a little experience of our sweet tooth up here. And I did throw in the, uh, the Thrills gum, which uh, always has, and until they stop making it, will always will taste like soap. But... Uh, just want to throw out there, uh, thank you to everybody that's been, uh, you know, checking out the aftermath. We actually um, hit a hit a milestone. We got we're we're over the thousand download mark, and uh, for anyone listening that listens to the aftermath as well, a huge thank you from uh, myself, the other Tony, and Chris. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't have as many downloads as the iRacers Lounge has. It should be the same audience. But So let's get everybody to listen to the aftermath. Go find it. You just have to search that in any podcast and you'll find it. Warning, it might ruin your diet. <laughs> and then, Tony, for your sim room, scroll up on the uh, script here and find that purple, purple, purple carpet that Josh Rogers used. I mean, you got to have that. Uh, well, my wife listens to this podcast and now hearing that, um, 
purple is her favorite color. But my, oh my, uh, she wanted the purple paint. I talked her into blue, cl closer to like a, very similar to a Stuart Haas blue, um, since we're both big fans of Stuart Haas. But uh, purple rug, I don't know. I'm gonna do a lot of kicking and screaming to, to not go that route. Not my, not my color. I'll make sure to have her see that picture first. It's pretty, pretty purple. Okay, so on my final thoughts, uh, boy, I'm involved in a league again for the first time in a long time, the Eucora. I'm excited to run with those guys tonight. Um, I haven't been in a league in a long time, and mainly because I run NIS fixed and open, but this year I kind of stopped running fixed. Uh, why? Well, nobody on the team would run with me, and, uh, and the sets are just tight, 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 and uh, not very fun to drive. And, I lost interest at some point and uh, David was like, why are you running that? Why are you running that? Well, I quit and so I kind of opened up a few nights and uh, so this league kind of worked out well for timing. So I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it and, uh, and I think it'll be a nice addition to my NIS racing and my Legends racing and my sprint car. So ready to, ready to do it and get it done. So with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.